And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. You like that, uh, that intro music? We've been getting some... Our, our producer Michael has gotten some plaudits for his choice of intro music. It changed a few episodes ago, as I understand. So uh, there you go. There's some dap for Michael. I am Brett Taylor. That is Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. We are here to talk all things Cubs. The 5-9 and nine Cubs after a series split in Colorado. I think uh, five and four, no. Brett. What did I say? Jesus, you just predicted a five-game losing streak. If that happens, fans are going to be upset. Wait, what did I say? <laughs> you said you said five, five and nine. Oh, I guess I was, <laughs> I, like, I, yeah. It was like, yeah, five of nine. Yeah, yeah. But, I got uh-oh. what you were saying. That is not good. If they get swept <laughs> by the Rays and then lose a couple later this week, it's going to be like Brett did this. Okay, five and four. The five and four Chicago Cubs, who will never be five and nine ever again. <laughs> that will never occur. Um, yeah, so I mean, just like the very high level stuff from that Rocky series, we'll get into some more of the specifics. But I think uh, I want to say we said this on Thursday's episode that if the Cubs could split, you'd be perfectly content with that because it's just the Rockies are so, so difficult and have been for a decade, no matter how good or bad their team is overall. It's very hard to go to Colorado and win. And, uh, you know, so going two and two, good, fine, great, perfectly happy with that. Um, And then the other high level thing is other than that first day where there was sort of the pseudo press conference uh, to to reignite any discussions with Chris Bryant, that was not really a storyline for the series. You know, he, I don't know, he had a couple hits. It just, it wasn't, that, that didn't become a story in that actually end up ended up striking me as nice that it was just like he was just another dude on the uh, on the Rockies so yeah I whatever comment comment respond to any of that and then we'll dig in on some of the uh, particulars that we want to talk about yeah no I mean in general it was yeah you could see some missed opportunities in the series sure but uh you know, you go to Colorado, you split. It's really hard to win games there. So you take that. This so far so good with this season. I would say in nothing, nothing glaringly bad. Where you're like, well, this just isn't going to work. Uh, but there's some. I think there's some nice positives that you can build off of going forward. I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of things and, and suggest that hey, this is this is going to be a much better season than some people expected. Uh, but there, there definitely are some aspects of this team that you look at. And even if you're one of those people that are like, this is not a year where they're going to realistically contend. Uh, you can see pieces, especially on offense where you're like, 
this is going to work out as long as they put a few more people, bring in the right pieces to supplement the group, maybe a superstar and one more star piece or whatever it is. I think I know it's <laughs> I know it's nine games in, but I, I you can just see the baseline for, OK, there's a competent offense already. And if you bring in a couple more pieces, maybe just one or two. Uh, or you get the right development uh, in the minor league, this could be a really good offense. I just felt like that Coors Field series kind of mirrored just this young season overall. Like, it hasn't been a total disaster. Um, there are some encouraging signs, some uh, obvious issues. And I think, you know, especially a team in this position, like, that matters. Like, just kind of treading water given <laughs> – the total lack of outside expectations and the complete lack of urgency on the ownership front office level, like just showing some baseline competencies in certain areas and um, having, you know, a potential star hitter in say a Suzuki in the middle of that lineup, like that makes uh, that's not nothing. And I think, you know, we've certainly seen what, what say I can do. I, I think that's, legitimate and impactful and meaningful down the road. I think the rest of the group though, by and large, the fact that I have like almost no track record really kind of, I'm in kind of more of a wait and see mode to see where this thing goes and what these guys can do. And if they can handle a full season, much less be difference makers collectively over the course of 162. Uh, I want to respond to some of that, but also I want to say, that uh, to any of the listeners who, if there is funky sound coming from Patrick, it is because he decided to proceed sans mic today. Do you like that I said decided as though you were like, you know what? No, I'm just not going to use a mic today. <laughs> the you know, IT department in my son's bedroom is not very good. You know, the, uh, there's no genius button here. I got a sweet oh. NBA superstars uh, poster where almost every player is now on a new team, like Kyrie in a Boston jersey, Durant in a <laughs> Warriors, James Harden in Rockets, you know, on and on and on. So um, that's kind of what I'm staring at right now. This word, what I'm working with here. At least no, uh, no bulls on that poster, I gather. No, I mean, we got Kawhi Leonard in a Raptors jersey. That's kind of, yeah, kind of how we're dating things here. But that's kind of how up-to-date the systems are. And, yeah. Uh, currently working from the tin can uh recording system uh no but so okay so i agree with everything you guys have said with you know with respect to that balance of being intrigued by some of the things that we're seeing from this team but not you can't change your perspective on what this team is likely to be this year in terms of the results you know when wins and losses i think we would all say we're still kind of thinking it's going to be that range of where july is more likely to be a selling oriented month than a buying one but i do think one you know we've we talked about this we we did back when the cubs were signing him but the the tricky thing about talking about the offense which is what we're going to transition to now as a whole is it's fundamentally different if say a Suzuki is the guy he's shown that he has been already, or if he does still have to go through an adjustment period where, you know, okay, so he's, he's not going to chase. I think teams have 
are going to get that pretty quick that he's he's not going to just go after everything unless maybe you execute certain things in a certain way that they're going to pick up on because teams are exceptionally quick nowadays at adjusting and um, finding whatever little issue that you might have in your approach or your swing and they will exploit it until you fix it. And so I, I want to be careful in, you know, heck, I was tweeting about it this morning. I was joking. Cubs have the best OPS in baseball. They have the highest on-base percentage in baseball. Their weighted runs created plus, which is park-adjusted, because I, I can already hear you all saying, oh, Coors Field They're, is second best in baseball, even if you park-adjust. So the, the Cubs have performed through these nine games like a top-of-the-league offense, but so much of that is buoyed by Seiya's ungodly performance so far. And so that isn't going to last. We know it at this level, it's not going to last. But if he is a star at the plate it does on its own baseball is not one of these sports where one player can dramatically transform the picture for a team but it can really move the needle on an offense like this where you have a lot of competent i think one of you guys used the word competent that's that's a good word for a lot of the guys in this offense just competent solid it, you know not not going to fundamentally change the shape of the offense on their own, but like can move the line, can keep things going and, and come to the plate. And you're not like, oh, shit, now it's this guy. Um, and if you add Suzuki to that mix, if he's a star caliber performer, that could leave you at the end of the year with a slightly above average offense overall, especially if the Cubs continue to figure out these rotations and the platoons uh, and optimize them in a way that works. And so th that's my reaction when I, think about the offense so far is I am I enjoy watching it I, I have enjoyed watching it quite a bit more than some of the years past but I'm I'm just I don't know I'm cautioning myself because I'm like okay but the total production if Saya isn't you know Mike Trout times two okay well then some of the production is going to go down right well it, it is fun to watch Saya start off this season the way he has and and wonder just how good he is right the numbers will come back down to earth he's not going to be this insane player uh that nobody you know that nobody's ever put up numbers like but uh he's doing the things that teams look for when they talk about offensive superstars so far right he doesn't chase he doesn't swing and miss and he do and he barrels up the ball when he does make contact it, th those three things are what the best of the best do uh by he's far, doing it so by far the way, by far the best barrel rate on contact in baseball by yeah far. it's it, like he's a, he's proving to be so far a really good player let's see where it is two months from now three months from now there has to be some sort of adjustment period coming uh but you know he doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to go up there and overthink it uh it, it, you know, if he is a superstar, that is, I mean, just going forward, beyond what this team can be this year, that contract then becomes a steal, right? Then you talk about what the Cubs can do going forward, and suddenly Jed Hoyer is going to feel a lot more comfortable adding, a, you know, much bigger contract or two at some point when he's ready to pounce. Uh that's something we can discuss down the line if this continues to look the way it is with him. 
But it's something you said, Brett, uh, I think you said it's just been a lot easier to watch or more fun to watch. It, these these games aren't any shorter than what we've been watching over the years. So much easier to digest. And I'm not sure if people have blocked out last April from their memories, but that was some of the worst offensive baseball I have ever watched in my life. Like, it was god-awful with superstars up and down the lineup, and it was unbearable to watch. And this team, one guy that's playing like a star, uh, Wilson is playing pretty close to star level, probably is playing, if I look at his numbers, it's probably star level performance on offense. Uh, so you, you have a couple guys playing like stars, but even <laughs> I know there's a lot of ground outs. I know there's a lot of grounded into double plays. I'll take that over 20 strikeouts a game any day of the week, even if it means more home runs. It, it was really rough to watch last April. This is more easy to watch, even if the games are just as long. It's more more. It's a better brand of baseball, and and I know it's what we kind of expected coming into the season. But actually seeing it is refreshing. I think there are aspects that will change. I wrote a little bit about the ground ball issues. I think Sunday was the perfect example of what this team can be. You know, Wilson and Saya hitting home runs, other guys hitting doubles, other guys just everyone else just putting the ball in play, and that could mean a lot of guys left on base, but it should mean four, five, six runs, and, and that's great. You'll take that if you can get even decent pitching. Uh, but it, it's 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 a much more fun offense to watch when you're just putting the ball in play regularly. Learn to elevate the ball. That's something I really liked uh, hearing from Greg Brown. They're not, they're not accepting these players for who they are right now. Uh, big league development is a priority. So a guy like Nick Madrigal or Nico Horner, just because you think they're singles hitters, they, they're not accepting that. They're, they're going to continue to work with them. It's a process. It's something he brought up specifically Francisco Lindor, and I looked it up, and it really is uh, uh, fascinating how they changed the type of offensive player in Cleveland that Francisco Lindor uh, was, and and kind of the launch angle shifted dramatically over the course of from sixteen to eighteen, and and he just became it became a different offensive profile, and that was a guy that was thought of as like a singles hitter when he was in the minors. So Whoa, these things so- can change. Nick Madrigal is the next Francisco Lindor. <laughs> That's this exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> That's awesome. Or Nico is. Well, N- Nico is the next. Uh, I'm trying to think. Max Muncie. He. Uh... <laughs> well, I, 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 I thought it was crazy, too, because like Cleveland's reputation for developing hitters is just about as bad as the Cubs reputation for <laughs> developing pitchers so there's probably something to be taken away from that if there are we've heard jed and theo before that hammer that point home of like development shouldn't stop at the major league level and it kind of felt like it did stop uh, at wrigley field to uh, a certain extent and yeah i think with Saya too you know brett i mean when you include the posting fee is roughly a hundred million dollar investment right in Saya, so like your stars just need to be stars and, and I totally agree there's going to be adjustment period there's going to be times where he looks out of it but like he's 27 years old he was a baseball prodigy this is not the Cubs hoping for some failed first round pick to catch lightning in a bottle like this guy is um you know almost like his own corporation he has his own camp he's been a professional for a very long time he's been under a microscope for a long time and I think you know this is 
kind of more validation probably from their end than like this like totally amazing new discovery. Well, and certainly the skills that he's showing off are the kind that you would most want to see early in that transition period. You would want to see the discipline. You would want to see him not chasing. You would want to see him not swinging and missing. And you would want to see him hitting the ball hard. I mean, that's whatever the results were, those would be the things you would be looking at first to say at sort of a baseline level, okay, this is a guy who handles himself very well at the plate. So um, yeah, I got to believe the Cubs are like just over the moon so far with uh, how that has looked. And I think the, the comments about developing at the big league level will continue to be important, not just for the younger guys who we think still probably have some of that room to add a little bit of power, for example, with the Nico and, and Nick, uh, but some of those older guys. And by that, I don't mean the Cubs are going to develop Frank Schwindel or Patrick Wisdom into superstars from where they are. It, it's almost like development for those guys at their level is being able to translate that early success into something sustainable for several years. And I think it was very interesting in that respect to see and hear from Patrick Wisdom during this Rockies series where nobody had started their season worse than, than Wisdom. I mean, just the strikeouts were at or above the level that they were last year. The hard contact wasn't there. Um, and you know, it's, it's not a long period of time. You know, we always talk about the start of the season, you know, you look at a week in a random week in June and you barely notice when a guy is like having a terrible week, but if it's the start of the season, everybody notices and that includes the players. And so I really appreciate it. I think I read some of his comments in the Tribune where he admitted it's like, of course it gets in your head. Of course you notice, of course you see, well, I tried to make some you know swing changes this off season and my results have been terrible for a week. And the, the, the way you address that is you just have to convince yourself. Nope. I have the right plan. There was a reason that this was done. I'm not going to be Mike Trout up there. I'm not going to be Vlad Guerrero up there. I just have to be the best Patrick wisdom I can be. And that means sticking to whatever the plan was that, that should get me there. And uh, obviously, you know, (laughs) it's not always like a one-to-one light switch flipping from like terrible start to all universe for three games. Like every single ball he hit was, uh, was well struck and (laughs) he was not striking out and et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's not to say that uh, that will happen for everyone because everyone likes to stick to their plan and all that. But, but it was certainly heartening to see and be reminded yeah, there is a possibility for some of these older guys that they may indeed be able to find their footing and be useful contributors for this Cubs team for this and next year. And then you sort of see what happens after that as some of the younger guys come up. But uh, I, I did. I found that it's another one where I try not to go too far with it, but I, I found that to be just a, a nice thing from this series and, and a reminder of what could happen. Yeah, and it was nice to see that those weren't, you know, Coors Field cheapies, right? He's he's ripping line drives in the gap, and a, a lot of a lot of what the Cubs did, I'd say, outside of two of the home runs, right? Like Sayas was was kind of a fly ball that that barely went out, and same with Schwindel's. 
I don't know. I, I didn't look at the numbers on those. Those may have been like off the wall in most other places. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't look at look at what uh, what they may have been. But they they were lining the ball all over the place for much of that series. Uh, one other guy who I thought left that series it, for me like it was it was a really positive Sunday was Nico uh, seeing him get the ball up in the air and hit it hard because we know he can hit it hard like that was. That was something that uh, struck the scouts and the R&D department when they were during that draft, whatever it was, 18 draft to 17 draft, uh, whatever it was, that stood out to both the scouts and what they saw with their eyes and R&D staff with what they saw with the data. This guy can hit the ball hard. If we can teach him to hit it in the air, he's going to be a valuable major leaguer. I thought there was too much on the ground from him and and just not enough getting the ball in the air early on outside of the home run to start the season. And and that's just going to you're relying on luck then. That, that then you're just a pure luck hitter. Uh it it you end up uh you know like a, like what Albert Almora did that one first half where he was hitting 300 and it was just like this isn't going to work like you can't pound the ball into the ground and and hope to find holes uh every other day just doesn't work that way you get you you start doing what nico did on sunday and that's a much different player i i don't expect him to hit many more home runs like he did uh, on opening day but if he's a gap to gap guy finding the gaps hitting it on a line and playing the type of defense that he's been playing and I think all three of us were kind of, I, I don't want to speak for the rest of you, but I know I was down on his defense and I was like, this guy can't play shorts up every day. Been nine games. So I don't know if he can handle it over the course of a full season. He needs to stay healthy. He needs to prove all that stuff to us. But his arm looks so much better than what I would I remember it being. Uh, and I know he's worked his butt off. I know he's he's not going to he's not the type of guy that, you know, is just going to rely on his pure natural skills. He's going to he's going to put in the work to to try and get better at whatever people suggest his failings may be. And he's he's impressed me and, and, and quieted me on that in that area so far. So I, I, that's along with wisdom. I thought Nico, the end of that series, I was like, OK, that's the Nico that the Cubs need, because. As good as Seiya's been and as good as the offense has looked overall, there there are some guys that you're like, these guys need to either, you know, they, they need some balls to drop or they need to just, it needs to look different for, for this to actually work. And, and I thought Nico was one of those guys. I understand the skepticism about, you know, Wisdom and Schwindel and the overall roster construction. I get that as players, they naturally will have second, thoughts uh and some doubts creep in but i don't know the cubs did not show like any interest in bringing back anthony rizzo or chris bryant like they want to see what they have in these guys right or wrong and i don't i don't know when kind of the the point would be where they had will have seen enough to make an evaluation but i don't think we're anywhere close to that i mean if you don't like frank schwindel like who's going to play first base every day like they're not ton of Great out. They just optioned out Rivas. Uh, Patrick, you, you you didn't have to tweet about optioning Rivas and see the reaction to it. So they the Cubs Twitter reacted like they they demoted like the second coming, the greatest baseball player ever. He had four plate appearances, I believe, all season, and they acted like like they how could you demote this guy? Excellent plate appearances, <laughs> Sahade. The reaction no, I, was cool. I was stunned. I was just like, I'm just going to tweet out the <laughs> the transactions here, and people hey, were. I'm going to speak 
Well, I'm going to speak for the, I'm going to speak for, I, I wasn't apoplectic or anything, but the re, the only reason I had a pretty soft reaction to it was mostly because I'm, when the rosters shrink, like there's just not going to be, the Cubs are going to have to make some tougher decisions. And so I'm sort of defaulting to everybody with options left is probably going to see some time at Iowa this year. So that, you know, uh, that doesn't bother me as much, but uh, to Patrick's point, yeah, you want to make sure you're giving plenty of runway to Frank Schwindel, again, ditto Patrick Wisdom, because otherwise, what's the point? You know, the, nothing the Cubs did in the offseason was dissonant with just just going for it, being like, okay, maybe we have a guy. Let's, let's you know, because we know that this year was always going to be like a questionable year in terms of competitiveness. So if priority one is knowing what you have internally and developing internally for 2023 and beyond, then you would just be crazy to not give at least three months or whatever to these guys to just be like, okay, let's, let's see how it is. And so again, that's why I also understand the Rivas decision. Although I do, I just, I I love that guy. I mean, I can, I know why, I know why fans gravitate to him because he, uh, well, I, he, I think he reminds them of a Mark Grace type hitter at first base. Not a ton of power, gap to gap guy. Puts the ball in play. Has a very sophisticated plate appearance about him. Like just quality understanding of the zone. Plays good defense at first. So I think there's, I, I just have a sense, and I'm not saying this is me, but that fans have an unspoken reason why they just sort of are like, oh. That's an interesting first baseman right there. I just I think they don't realize what it is that's tugging on them that that makes them think that. But that's just a just a sense. And he is a decent. I mean, he's a good he's a good player to have on a team. I just yeah. I don't he know. Put, he puts what, together really good at bats. And yeah. and I and I know Ross loves those at bats. And he'll be back. Don't worry about it, guys. He's he's not going. I mean, he's going somewhere to AAA, but he's not <laughs> he's not going too far. He'll be back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, side note on that if you want to get even nerdier the other part of that option that I was like oh is I'm like well, what about Jared Young man he needs to keep getting he needs to keep getting those plate appearances at Iowa keep an eye on that one folks there's a there's a deep cut he's he is raking right now anyway all right Patrick you we this this was is quite a digression from your overall <laughs> point we can keep going on Rivas if you want but I leave that to you no, yeah, I'm trying to, you, you summed up my overall point really well. I'm just, you know, kind of, 
you surprised me a couple episodes ago with that whole parting shots, parting thoughts thing. So I'm not sure, <laughs> like, how much do I need to keep in reserve? Yeah, keep. You better hold some back. Hold it back because we're getting close. We're getting close <laughs> to the final. The, looking around, at the counter so. right now, I'm like, all right. Yep, yeah. you know, you know. <laughs> All right. I, I should have like a some kind of sound signal that's like, OK, here we are. We're in the final. Uh, you know, well, maybe we'll talk to Michael about that. The just like uh, so you're up now. Sadif, boom. Just like that. Yeah. Patrick. No, I, I would say uh, my parting shots are just like I like the way this offense is looking. And I think it's interesting that three of the four losses have been Hendricks and Stroman starts. Uh I would – those are two guys that are so reliant on mechanics and command. Uh, I talked to both of them about their starts, uh, their poor outings, their recent poor outings, and it is – it's mechanics. Uh, Stroman seems very chill about it. Uh, I think, uh, you know, he's he's a guy that's all about feel and, and how his body feels, and he said he knew right away when he was out there something wasn't right. I know he and Ross both said those first three innings – uh, he was it looked good. I I didn't feel that way. I thought I need to get to know his pitching style a little bit better. Uh, I'd like to know exactly what it looks like when it's locked in. But I'd be surprised if he leaves balls up in the zone that much when he's having success. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. Almost think that's everything. What it looks like. Almost yeah. everything was belt high in that. Right. Those first I, innings. I unless it, he's uh, unless it's like pure late movement that he relies on and he can get away with that consistently, which is possible. I just I haven't dug into enough of what he did in the past to have. I mean, I know he's a ground ball guy and not a bat misser, but uh, where exactly he gets that soft contact, I have to assume it's down and and below the zone, and he just wasn't there uh, at all. Uh, on whatever day that was, Friday or Saturday, whatever day it was. But he, he's, uh, I'm watching both him and Hendricks closely because they're so reliant on their mechanics and so reliant on command that even if something slightly goes off, uh, it, it'll it'll be a rough day for them. Uh, so I trust they'll both get back on track. I, Hendricks's opening day gave me uh, some comfort that this guy's not like on some. D- downward t- trajectory that you know you can't can't find it and talk to both of them and they're they're working on things and and they'll they, they trust they'll lock it back in so that's that's just what i'm watching this week uh w- when those guys get their next outings totally unrelated topic but one of uh the moments or sequences that needs to be in the 2022 one shining moment montage joe madden walking <laughs> Seeger with the bases loaded. And then as Brett said on Twitter, Joe Madden gave a, a most Joe Madden explanation to it, uh, chalking it up to the human element and trying to spark the group. And I was just absolutely loving it. It was just like peak Joe Madden. And, you know, Jesse Rogers, our friend, you know, we, we still like quote Joe Madden in the press box and Sahadev too, like all of us, but Jesse's who I sit next to. And we always, you know, during the pandemic, we joke about um, how we kind of missed some of Joe's idiosyncrasies even more, like how soothing it was when he'd start talking about his day of, you know, went for, hit up the steam room for about an hour, went for a bike ride, you know, Uber Eats. Like he would just like had this way about him that was uh, calming and refreshing and entertaining. And just seeing that go off on Twitter and Mike Trout's reaction. I don't know if that actually was his reaction or just like 
a gift someone kind of like recycled. It was but totally it was awesome. Reaction. Yeah, it was the, that was I, so the camera. They the, went to him yeah. right, as that was happening, and and you the, can see he's like calculating. He's like, wait, but the bases literally are counting in his head. I, I I scrolled past that probably like a dozen times in the press box, and like all the other writers sitting next to me just were so delighted at how every single time I saw it, I still cracked up the same. Like <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing every single time it popped up. I just like burst out laughing because it was that was so great. His reaction. I still just thinking about it. I can't help but laugh. It was it was well, so perfect. And the outcome was just the most perfect Joe Madden outcome too. Where in the moment it did not work at all because yeah. two more runs scored after the intentional walk. It was terrible, terrible decision. And then of course the Angels they came win. back and won yeah. and won handily, so that as Patrick alluded to, he could say after the game, "Well, you know, I just I wanted to shake him up. I wanted to see if it would spark something, <laughs> and clearly it did." He didn't say yeah. that, but but the <laughs> implication was, and clearly it worked. Do you see? Do you see that? And I'm not even trying to give Joe Madden too much shit because, not, I think I said this too. Ninety nine percent of the time, Joe Madden his he makes great decisions, and his weirdness at the human level works. It clearly does unlock guys in a way that helps. So I'm not trying to make fun too much, but it was just, it was so perfectly Joe Madden. All of that was that, yes, it was nice to get, you know, we don't, we don't get that anymore on a daily basis with the Cubs uh, for all the things that uh, David Ross is. And I appreciate about David Ross. He's not quite Joe Madden in terms of uh, providing content for us to devour as consumers of baseball. So get get on that manager David. By the way, can you just can you bring like a petting zoo to the ballpark or something, or you know p- pinch hit with Kyle Hendricks sometime maybe just to just to to spark things. Uh, so Tampa Bay Rays coming to uh, Wrigley Field. Speaking of old Joe Madden haunts, and the Cubs will uh, get a look at some more quality young pitching. And a look at a bullpen that they, you know, will continue to try to emulate in the years ahead. Uh, and then I think, uh, yeah, like Sahadev said, I am looking forward to seeing uh, Kyle Hendricks um, see if he bounces back. Same with Marcus Stroman. And uh, yeah, I, I am enjoying. And my parting shot, I guess, is just that I am enjoying watching the bullpen get sorted out. I know that it is very painful for some fans to not remember that this is how it is every April with what the Cubs do is just, there's going to be some, some good and bad in the process. And I, I just enjoy it. I enjoy seeing the logic of like, Oh, he's trying this guy out in this type of situation now. And uh, I just enjoy that dance. So I will look forward to continuing to see that this week. And we will be back at you on Thursday. This is on to Waveland Cubs podcast here at the athletic. I am Brett Taylor. Get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. Patrick Mooney, Sadif Sharma, get theirs at The Athletic. We appreciate you so much. Take care. Have a great week. Stay warm. Stay out of the snow. You know, that just that normal mid-April snow that we get every year. Just totally, totally normal stuff. Uh, take care. Take care.